All right. Well, there were no videos. I was prepared for a video. Children, you're dismissed. Thank you, kids, for singing with us. Good group, good group. Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 8. We, my fingers really hurt. I'm out of shape playing guitar. They really, really hurt, and I want to complain about it. (laughs) Yikers, that hurts. I want to talk about the all-powerful Jesus. Now, my outline for this sermon, my goodness, it was huge. And I thought to myself, you might be able to do it. And I started working on this. In my studies, I realized, nope, this is going to be a multiple-part sermon. And what it stems from is the name of Jesus, and it's taking his name in vain. Now, Recently, my ears have been picking up on it much more. I'm more sensitive to it. But when I'm out in public or on TV, a lot of TV movies, of course, it's all over the internet, you're going to hear people saying, oh, Jesus, Jesus, that was funny. Ah, Jesus Christ, that hurt, right? Or maybe you hear Christ Almighty. You hear this name taken in vain. And of course, there's many, many other uh, alternatives to taking this name in vain. But I want to talk about it not just as slang, not just as using it as a cuss word. Um, Of course, it is taking his name in vain that way, and that's where this stems from. But there is much more involved in misusing the name of Jesus. Christians find their identity in Jesus, don't we? Of course. Christians pray in the name of Jesus. Yes, we do. But we can bring dishonor to his name too. We can actually bring dishonor to his character by using his name in an irreverent manner. So we can disrespect his name by making vows or oaths that we do not keep, right? Promises made in his name and then broken is taking the name in vain. We see that all throughout the Old Testament all throughout the Old Testament. But again, there's a much larger aspect to this. When we choose to continually disobey His commands for us, we take His name in vain. What has Jesus been given? Do you know what Jesus has been given? He has been given the name above all names. Philippians 2, 9 through 10 says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, remember that, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So when we call ourselves Christians, right, followers of Jesus, followers of Christ, when we call ourselves that, If that is how we are presenting ourselves to the world, if this is our identity as a Christian, we have to understand what that symbolizes. We have to understand what that signifies. Because if we are conveying to others that we indeed are followers of Jesus, which is a Christian, we have to speak differently. So if we are a Christian, yet we act differently, and if we speak differently, and if we allow our thoughts to be different that manifest 
externally, if we allow that, what are we doing? We are not adhering to a Christian's conduct. We are not adhering to that identity as a Christian that we're supposed to. No, we are taking the name of Jesus in vain. In other words, church family, what I'm trying to tell you is that you and I can misrepresent Christ in our very lives. We can attach the name of Jesus to an action or an activity that is contrary to his character and contrary to his will. So if we profess to love him, but do not what he commands us to do, if we choose to be disobedient to his word, we are taking that name, that precious name of Jesus, and we are using it in vain. Because what does Luke 6.46 say? Luke 6.46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So when we do not revere and honor the name of Jesus in our everyday conduct, we are taking the precious name of Jesus in vain. Again, this stems from being out in public. I, peer, I hear people using the name of Jesus uh, out there as just a regular word to express oneself to express anger or humor, to emphasize something. They have no idea the name they are claiming or the name they are professing, but here they are. But it's empty. The name of Jesus coming out of their mouths, it's empty. It is void of any love. It is void of any reverence or recognition of who Jesus actually is and what he has done, is doing, and will do. There is no attachment to that word. In Exodus 27, this is in the commandments, we have a command. In Exodus 27, it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, I need you to hear my next sentence. Really listen to that. The commandment that I just read to you, hear these next words. God is warning the Israelites, because this is who he's addressing. He is warning the Israelites against using his name as if it were disconnected from his presence, his person, or power. Do you hear that? That's what he's saying. Do not use my name where it's disconnected from my person, presence, or power, but we hear it used every day in that disconnect. Jesus, Jesus, will you just sit down? Jesus Christ, that hurt. There's no attachment. And it made me think, Christians, made me think about us when we hear that name. What about us? When it is used like this, church family, there is no holiness, there is no majesty attached to its use. There is no representation of his character or what he's done for humanity. They have no idea what they're saying. There is no acknowledgement of a supreme deity, our God. They don't get it. 
There is no honor, there's no glory being attached to his name when it is used in vain. There is a disconnect from his person, his presence, and his power. When the absolute truth, when the absolute truth that in his name, every knee, at the name of Jesus, the truth is every knee will bow. And Truth, we're gonna get back to truth in a minute. But at the name of Jesus, every, na- uh, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's everybody. Even those that are claiming the name of Jesus as slang, as part of their vocabulary, on your knees. That's the power of that name. What about you? Let's talk about you and me for a second. What is stirring in you? What is stirring in you when you hear the name of Jesus? What, what, what starts to, to happen inside you? What, what begins to manifest in your heart and mind at the name of Jesus? Does it raise anything inside you? Does it incite anything inside you when you hear the name of Jesus? Or is it just flatline? I heard the name. When you hear his name used just as an expressive word, what comes to mind? In a sermon, what comes to mind? The name of Jesus. Because there is power behind that name. There is power in that name. Now, I want to come back to that statement in a little bit. I want to come back to that statement because I want to relate it to the words we hear out in public when we hear, oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ I want to come back to this. Are you in Matthew? If you are, look at chapter 8. Let's look at verses 14 through 17 together. Here's our text for today. Matthew 8, 14 through 17. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Folks, when I look at this text... One word comes to mind, deliverance. When I see anything attached to the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Messiah, Christ, I think deliverance. And that's, that's what we're seeing here, in essence. So he's healing the sick. He's healing the sick. I want to read a verse to you in Exodus 15, 26. It says this, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Wow. See, after leaving Egypt, folks, Three days into this trip, they became thirsty. The nation of Israel became thirsty, of course. 
So they encountered water, but that water was bitter. So, of course, what do they do? Their go-to was to grumble. So they grumbled against Moses. Moses sought the Lord, and he told him, I want you to throw this particular log into the water. When he did that, that bitter water turned sweet. It was made drinkable. They were able to drink. Now, it's interesting In this text, it is interesting that what God did for the Israelites, he did opposite. He did the opposite for the Egyptians in the plagues. If you remember, it turned to blood. It became undrinkable. The Egyptian water became undrinkable. The Israelites' water became drinkable. The Israelites came from a bitter situation and walked right into a sweet situation. And I also find it interesting that the Lord healed this water And he would continue to provide for them in healing. How? Will he heal the Israelites in other ways, such as the quail, such as manna, more water, freedom from slavery? Yes, they were healed from slavery. Protection from foreign nations and their clothes. Do you know their clothes and sandals were preserved all this time? There was a healing. And I find it interesting, once again, that God said in that verse, if you listen to me and obey me, I'm not going to do to you what I did to the Egyptians. And we can see that with the healing of this water. The Lord was their healer. The Lord is our healer. So let me talk to you about health and uh, um, healing for a second. We can enjoy divine health. We can. We can enjoy divine healing, but what is that? Because these people on TV are making it something it's not. What is divine healing? It is an act of God where he resolves a problem, whether it be emotional, it can be physical, and yes, it can be spiritual. But it is God resolving the problem. It is God acting through the person person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. So believe it or not, Many religions out there, many, many mainstream religions, popular religions, believe in some type of supernatural healing. They do. Or what we like to call divine healing. But what is common among all of these religions when it comes to healing is the necessity of ritual. There has to be preparation. There has to be a ritual. See, their non-Christian deity has to be, and I use, say that again, their non-Christian deity has to be manipulated. It has to be coerced into action through the elements of a particular ritual for this healing force, which isn't real, this healing force to work. You can see this in the religion of Islam. You can see this with Buddhists. You can see this in New Age philosophy. You can see this in humanism. There has to be a ritual. Now, let me tell you about the all-powerful Jesus in our text. What happened? He saw Peter's mother-in-law. He saw her. He touched her. He healed her. It was instantaneous, and it was a complete healing. Folks, she got up and began to serve him immediately. Back then, a lot of times, the fever was the disease or the sickness. See, they didn't realize a lot of times 
uh, or understand that the fever was actually a symptom of something greater like we do today. Fever's always attached to something. So Peter's mother-in-law could have easily been suffering from something like malaria or, or any other disease like it. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. No matter what she had, no matter what it was or could have been, one touch from Jesus and the matter was resolved. No problem, no ailment was too big. One touch from Jesus, it was eliminated immediately. And that, my friends, is divine healing. So, yes, he touched her hand and she was healed. Divine healing. Moses grabbed that log and threw it into the water. Divine healing. That's what we're talking about. But the name of Jesus is thrown around like slang. It's attached to sentences to express one's humor, anger, whatever emotion they want to emphasize. Do they know about the power of Jesus' name when they throw it out there like that? What about this? He heals the satanic. He heals the satanic. Demons were cast out. All sickness was healed. That's what the Bible tells us. So like Peter's mother-in-law, healing continued to take place that evening. Many were brought to him. Many. And just like healing for those who hold on to a non-Christian view, hold on to that non-Christian deity, just like in healing where ritual is involved, the same goes for casting out demons. You can watch any blockbuster Hollywood movie when some mainstream church is trying to cast out a demon. You will see ritual involved. In fact, this is historical. This comes from recorded Jewish historical record. Jewish exorcists would use offensive odors in order to make an attempt to draw a demon out of a body. Offensive odors. I don't know if they had middle school sports back then, but I believe that would have done it. (laughs) Offensive odors. And you know what else they did? They would use a nose ring with a root attached to it, and they would attempt to draw a demon out through the nostrils, hoping to rid a person of a demon. That's the attempt, trying to hook them. They needed a ritual. But if you look at God's word today, Jesus did it with a word. With a single word. They didn't stand a chance. If no one else was going to recognize as Jesus is the Son of God, I tell you a demon will. They shudder. They tremble. You'll see this as we go farther into it. Not today, but as we pursue this. They need a ritual. Jesus Christ just needed a word. I am telling you, what a sight that must have been to have been an eyewitness to the divine healing that was happening at Peter's home that evening. That would have been something. And then Matthew goes on to tell us something profound. He's talking about prophecy now. He says that the prophecy from Isaiah 53, 4, we'll go over that. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's the part we're talking about. Prophecy was fulfilled. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You could could substitute suffering, pain. Matthew uses illness and disease. But what is cool about this 
is that Jesus, it's true, Jesus was able to heal physical illness because of his ever-approaching sacrificial death, which would provide the believer with atonement from sin. That was coming. And yeah, that's part of it. All sickness and disease stem from the original sin, which was the consequence of Adam's choice. Let's get that straight. It stems from sin. But please note something, that not all sickness has its origin in the demonic. It doesn't. Because Matthew makes a great distinction. The Bible is providing us with this distinction between the healing of the sick and that of casting out the spirits from those who are oppressed by demons. But it is still divine healing. So although, hear me now, Although the text is emphasizing healing sickness over his bearing man's sins, it reminds us that through the redeeming work of Christ, which is centered in his work on the cross, he already was in his life. He already was in his life the redeemer from sickness and sin during his earthly ministry. Try to prove me wrong. Go to the Gospels. He was the Redeemer. Now, since this was fulfilled before the atonement on Calvary, there is no basis for us claiming special acts of healing as so many religions do so many mainstream. There's no reason for us to claim special acts of healing in the atonement today as some do because they're abusing it. Because he was already the redeemer. Now Matthew, as we'll see later on in Matthew, Matthew goes on to show us that Jesus' Jesus's fulfillment of this prophecy goes far beyond the healing of a body. Far beyond. It goes to the soul. It goes to the promised spiritual healing that we are all experiencing and will see in its fulfillment one day. Because there is power, power behind his name. What we are experiencing and will, will experience is because of the power in his name. But people don't know that. Jesus, Jesus Christ. You know what's interesting about this text? I told you that for me, hush Siri, I told you for me that it was all about deliverance. Think about this for a second. Christ came to set man free. Me, you, mankind. He came to set us free. John 8, 32. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, what is the truth? No, it's not what. It's who. How do we get to the Father? Because there's only one way. Who is that? It's Jesus. He's the way. And he's what? The truth. And he is the life. That is our truth. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I love that verse. You will be free indeed. So our plea for divine healing, church family, hear this. Our plea for divine healing, it can be a yes. It can be a no. 
And yes, it can be, I need you to wait in my time. In my time, I need you to wait. God can heal immediately through the Holy Spirit. He can. You know it's true. God can heal immediately, divine healing through the Holy Spirit. God can heal through his instruments. God can heal through doctors and treatments and medicines. Absolutely he can. God chooses when to apply physical healing to our bodies. He chooses, but know this, for some of us, for some of us, our healing may not come until heaven. You do realize that. Our true healing may not come until heaven. We may not see it here on earth. We pray for it, but we may not see it. See, it's God's will when we, we experience his wholeness and healing. It's his will. But all of this points to something. All of this points to our ultimate healing when we will meet Jesus. Can you even imagine the healing that we are going to experience upon meeting Jesus. Again, I tell you, there is power in his name. Do these people out here using it so, so empty, so void of attachment, do they have any idea the power behind that name? Because we do. I mean, look at just these little verses. This is small text we read today. Look at the power that is in this name. See, as believers, we do not need to be bound to sin or bound to anything when complete deliverance is available to us. And this needs to be shared. This is a sentence you can use. You can say, hey, no one needs to be bound to sin or anything when complete deliverance is available to you. Well, what do you mean complete deliverance? Well, what I mean is the all-powerful Jesus. The word you just said in your sentence where you were using it as slang or as a cuss word. The word you use just so fraudulent, you just don't even care. That word right there, that name, it can save your very life. That's complete deliverance. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What if one of you owned a store and in your store, you housed necessity for me, for my survival. You had on your shelves all the needs for me to provide for my family, to keep them, uh, give them sustenance, give them uh, uh, protection or whatever it is. You housed in your store things of necessity for me to live. And you said, Mark, all you got to do is go to this store and just use my name. Use my name. Make your request, use my name, and they will come to you. They will bring everything that you need. Now, because of my necessity, I'm coming to the store. I have great need. And you've given me the right to come to your store and ask using your name for those requests to be filled. So they're going to give them to me. Folks, this is virtually what Jesus Christ says to us. It if you need anything from God, if you need anything from God, all that the Father has belongs to me, go and use my name. That is the name we're talking about today, the name we hear all the time misrepresented out in the community, in our culture. What a name. Have you ever thought about it, just the, just the power behind that name, the power in that name? What is beginning to stir within you? 
If I say Jesus, what stirs within you? What does this incite? Because I was bothered by the fact that I would rather say, hey, that's offensive to me. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, that doesn't end well. If you want to get into an argument with somebody out there using Jesus Christ, hey, that's offensive. It doesn't end well. It escalates. You may want to go, I'm going to have a theological conversation with you, young man. No, that doesn't end well either. There's a couple things we can do. There's a couple things we can do. But what stirs within you? What, what, what are the things that begin to incite? Do you think Redeemer? Do you think Savior? Do you think He loved me first? He came down for me. I mean, do you think death, resurrection? Do you think bloodshed? What are the things that begin to stir within you? Because in this name is profound truth. My goodness, the name of Jesus is profound truth. And this truth has great implications for our lives. I'm going to go ahead and tell you my name and your name does not have great implications. But the name of Jesus does. So as we have seen, there are many layers behind the power of Jesus just in healing. We talked about it today. There are many layers. Casting out demons, people were healed. Sickness and disease, people were healed. Healed. The blind see, the deaf, they can hear, the lame walk. I mean, water is healing, food is healing. All throughout Scripture, you can find Story after story after God's divine healing. It's all there. It is all there. Like the layers, though, in healing. Like the layers in healing. If you look at the name of Jesus, just the power behind that name, you're going to also find layers. And this is what I'm getting to. Christians, you and I are not exempt from taking his name in vain. We can misrepresent Christ in our lives. We can. And our disobedience and our ignorance and our indifference, we can misrepresent Christ. Look at the layers behind Jesus. What do we got here? Well, we've talked about healing. He has power over healing. What else? He has power over creation. He has power over nature, power over sin. He has power over the transformation of a life, a full 180 for a life. He has the power over that. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on what? The name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 4, 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Oh, Jesus Jesus Christ, at that name. Do they even know what awaits them? Do they even understand the word that's coming out of their mouth? I mean, he has the power over intercession. Jesus is advocating for us. He's defending us. Christians, Jesus is on your side. He's on my side. He is not some far-off, distant figure. 
He is a living and active presence in our lives. So how does the name of Jesus, when you hear it, that precious name, whether it's used appropriately or it's misused, when you hear that name, how does it impact you? I wish they wouldn't use that name. That guy's a sinner. I'm not going to be friends with that person. I'm glad I'm not friends with that person. How does it affect you? Because I'm telling you, we're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong. When you hear OMG, God, oh God. GD, I'm not going to say that one. GD this, GD that. And of course, Christ, man. Jesus, are you serious? Jesus Christ, will you stop? When you hear the name of our God taken in vain, what stirs within you? Is it that you want to confront and argue? Have that theological discussion? You can't go up and say that offends me because then you've got to follow that person around the rest of the day and any sin they commit, you've got to say that offends me too and that one too. You can't do that. I told you in the beginning I was going to come back to this. There's power behind that name, or there's power in that name. Try this. Only when opportunity presents itself, don't go looking for a fight. Okay? I'm not promoting that. If you were next to somebody and they're like, oh, Jesus, will you behave? You can say, ah, oh, I'm telling you, there's power in that name. Simple, easy. Do you understand the power behind that name? If you're with a friend, this is Jesus Christ. There is power in that name. I'm glad you said it. See, it doesn't have to be a confrontational fight because what you were doing, brothers and sisters, is you were you praising the name of Jesus. Why? Because what did that just stir in you? What did that incite in you? What was manifested? What was brought up? Because you need to have, you need to have the ammunition ready when you hear the name of Jesus, even if it's misused. We can be, bring praise to our God because there is power in that name. We don't want to hear it misused, but you will. As long as this world continues here on earth, you will. So how do we do it? We have to say it out loud or you can say it to yourself. If you want to look at somebody and go, hey, there's power in that name. Or if you want to just say, oh, praise Jesus, I just heard your name. And I just want to praise you right now. Can I read some verses to you? I want to read some things. Okay, I'm going to go one after the other. Psalm 96, 2 and 3. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Psalm 100, 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. Psalm 103, 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Psalm 150, verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God has given you breath. He's given you your very next breath. I am telling you, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. 
every knee, not just some, every knee at the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, demons flee, terrified. At the name of Jesus, any disease that stems from the sin, that original sin, I don't care how sick you are, Jesus can remove immediately. Cancer can be removed immediately. You can be buffered in a wreck immediately and saved. At the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus. Do you understand the power in and behind that name? So if you're out today, or you're watching TV, or you're surfing the internet, and someone says, Jesus, what's gonna stir in you? What are you gonna start thinking about? See, I'm turning it. You can use it for bad, but I'm about to praise Jesus' name because of that. Thank you for saying Jesus' name, because it makes me think that I am a saved, redeemed man. It makes me think that I am blessed. I have a family, I have a church family, I am loved. Thank you for saying that. Do you understand the power behind that name, church family? At the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful for your son. Everything that he has done for us that you wanted us to know about has been recorded in Scripture, and there's things that we don't know because the book could not house all the wonders and miracles, could not house them all. But Father God, what you've given us, it makes us appreciate so much your Son. We want to bring honor and glory to him. We want to love our Jesus we want to praise his name, to bless his name, to sing songs about it. We want to talk to him. We want you to talk to us. The name of Jesus changes everything for a person. And there's people out there that don't even have a clue. They're using it as something else. There's just no attachment of your holiness and majesty. There's no attachment of the forgiveness that you give us. There's no attachment of the intercession and how you are coming back for us. There's no attachment, it's empty. But not for us, God. We will praise your name. So Father God, when we leave here today, let us be ready. Let us be armed and ready at the name of Jesus to know who you are to us what you've done for us. Let us appreciate you, love you, and praise you at the name of Jesus. That's my prayer for this church today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Father God, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for divine healing. Thank you for your word. But most of all, thank you for your son, Jesus. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.